Hello, hello. Welcome back to the So Many Layers podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Shoots, and I know it's been two weeks since you have heard my voice, but I am back. The first week you didn't hear me is because I was having way too much fun at Mardi Gras and not talking about New Orleans, no shades in New Orleans, but the home of Mardi Gras, which is Mobile, Alabama, which is where I'm from, where I currently live. And um, I was having way too much fun. And so I didn't a lot enough time and that happens. So I was really beating myself up about it at first, but I gave myself grace and I kept it moving. The second week you didn't hear from me, which would have been last week, um, is because I had gotten after Mardi Gras, that Tuesday hit, that following Wednesday, I was knocked down sick. Um, I had a fever, cough, you know, I was congested, the sneezing, the body aches, everything. I don't know if it was flu. COVID tests said it wasn't COVID. So who knows what it was, but it knocked me down. And so I slept, I recovered. I ended up losing my voice. It was just hard to talk into a mic and breathe. And so I was like, oh, we're not going to do an episode. Um, So I'm back. I am back. I'm feeling great. I have all of that is out of me. And um, I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready to get back into the the weekly fold of the podcast. So thank you for your patience while I was away. This week, I want to talk about something that I've kind of been living in lately, which is the future. Uh, we think about the future as this like far reaching thing. I know I do sometimes and I put it, I put it on the back burner in order to avoid getting overwhelmed with myself. And I'm in the process of looking for a new job, trying to move to a new city this year and really making some shifts in my life for the next few years. And so the future is really, really heavy on my mind. This week, I want to talk about something that I've kind of been living in lately, which is the future. Uh, we think about the future as this like far-reaching thing. I know I do sometimes, and I put it, I put it on the back burner in order to avoid getting overwhelmed with myself. And I'm in the process of looking for a new job, trying to move to a new city this year, and um, really making some shifts in my life for the next few years. And so the future is really, really heavy on my mind. And so as I started thinking about the future, you know, I'm, I started thinking to myself, like, this is the goal I want to achieve. This is how much money I want to make doing X, Y, Z. This is how I want to approach, you know, building so many layers, building Odette, which is the body care company that I started. And as I said with myself a little bit more, it was all of my future thoughts were about me and how I could benefit from this future, right? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think it is important for to think a little bit further past just how can the future benefit me directly? Um, and so I started to ask myself more questions, kind of probe myself more and think like, what type of future am I really building? One that I may not, 
get any of the benefits from, but one that I actually want to see manifest itself into a reality. And it got me to like really start exploring and thinking about people who have built the future or who are building the future. And um, what are some of those kind of common themes? So first thing first, I go, which was where I always go to Google and I start researching and I look at and I pick up my phone, right? And I pick up my phone, I have an iPhone and I automatically think of Steve Jobs. And I'm like, Jobs like really was a guy who thought about building a future of technology. And obviously he's not here to benefit from it. Um, But in, I started digging and I saw like in 1985, Steve Jobs was telling in an interview, doing an interview for Playboy magazine. And he was like, every single person will have a computer in their house in the next 30 years. And, and he really was intentional about creating, being a part of creating the future of technology and having his input, his say, and his influence. And it's very evident that he was a part of building that future. He was a, he was a futurist being a futurist can be something that is both good and bad because even like you think about some of the systems that we all hate, I'm not gonna say all of us hate, but a lot of us hate because they benefit only a certain group of people. You think about racism, you think about capitalism, you think about all the isms that are caused divisiveness. These were future thoughts, future ideas that people way back when sat around in a room and was like, this is the type of future that I want. I want a future where the the white European influence is superior to us, especially over the, you know, anyone from the African diaspora. Like it, these were people building a future and just looking around and seeing where things are headed. It is, it's kind of depressing. It's kind of depressing. It's like, where is our future going? Um, One perfect example that hits very personally for me is the recent decision by the Alabama Supreme Court in their determination that embryos that are being stored in IVF treatment centers are humans and can be treated like human beings and have a right to life. And and it's like thinking, you know, I'm a woman in my 30s who lives in Alabama, who happens to be a lawyer in the county, in the city where the original lawsuit came from. And I also don't have kids. And for me, you know, while I haven't started trying to have kids, I also have always kept in the back, back, back of my mind that like IVF could be an option if everything else doesn't work. And it's just like now that option almost isn't on the table because the uninformed justices, the detached from reality um justices of the Alabama Supreme Court who were like, oh yeah, they're babies too. These embryos are babies too, not thinking about the full implications of or or do you know what? I'm not gonna say they're not even thinking. They probably thought about the full implications, but they were so attached to this idea of the pro-life movement. And again, I'm not getting into politics. I'm not talking about, you know, the politics 
in this episode of pro-choice versus versus the pro-life movement. But they truly believe that this aligns with the pro-life movement and the future that the pro-life movement has been building. I mean, they strategically overturned Roe versus Wade. It was a 15, 20 year effort, but they built that future where, where Roe versus Wade no longer exists. So it's like there is power in people to build a future. And we're those of us who want to see a future that is filled with more compassion, that is more equitable, that is, um, that considers each other more than any bottom line. It takes concerted effort and it takes futuristic thinking. And here's the thing, y'all. When I'm talking about building a future, I am not wanting to create this overwhelming thought like, oh my gosh, I have to solve all the world's problems. I have to, you know, think about how can I end world hunger? Like world hunger is a big thing in its totality to tackle, but your desire to build a future where where people have access to food could decrease the amount of food deserts in the communities that you occupy. Does that mean starting a you know, community garden where people can buy into the property and grow fruits and vegetables and then sell them on a market or give them away to certain groups of people. That is tackling an aspect or a layer of world hunger. Um, so think, thinking like a futurist isn't like you taking on the big idea and especially not doing it by yourself. It's, so I was reading this article by the executive director of ironically enough the institute of the future which who knew that existed and i'll put a link to that article in the show notes um and to the institute of the future but um back in 2019 the executive director wrote this article about the five principles for thinking like a futurist so i want to explore in our conversation today some of the principles that she highlighted that guide futuristic thinking and shaping a future that is not just a continuation of the past but a canvas for new innovation and new thoughts. So the first principle that she talked about or she summarized one of the aspects of it was about embracing impossibilities. Because as we know, the future is not a one-size-fit-all scenario. And I can take the perfect example of the unexpectedness and the challenges that came from COVID and how it forced us to be prepared for something, a new way of working and living and interacting with each other. I know that there were a bunch of think pieces and a bunch of articles that came out at the time and even afterwards about how companies... Um, found themselves scrambling to adapt to the remote and hybrid work environments because that was never a thought that it would act that something like that would happen and become a mainstream thing. And now virtual meetings are a norm. Hybrid environments are something people desire and request when they start a new role. 
And I, I don't have the data for this, but I'm almost sure that more organizations were caught off guard because they didn't even consider the full spectrum of possibilities for the future of work. And so it's a reminder that thinking like a futurist involves anticipating a bunch of different scenarios, especially those that seem the most unlikely and looking at the most unlikely because it could very well happen. And you, when they do happen, it is easier or more manageable to adapt and to pivot. The second principle from that article that I pulled out is learning from the past. And I want to add a caveat to that is that when learning from the past, not getting caught up in it, because, you know, the past is a valuable teacher and examining what has worked and what hasn't can help us make informed decisions about the future and how we want it to look. We don't want to be constrained necessarily by tradition, but we can use the past as a guidepost. And as we navigate and journey through the complexities of the world and as it continues to change rapidly every day, every moment, those lessons can help us avoid repeating mistakes. Moving on to the third principle that was talked about in the article And this was actually two principles, but I'm making it one for the sake of this episode, um, is that we observe signals and patterns. Just recently, within the last week and a half or two weeks, OpenAI, which we all know has the function of ChatGPT, introduced its text-to-video feature called Sora. And last Friday, I read a article, I think it was Variety or Hollywood Reporter, where Tyler Perry, who we all know, announced that he was putting a whole pause on an $800 million expansion of his movie studios, saying that the saying that he no longer needs this type of infrastructure to create certain scenes, to create certain aspects of his production. He can just type in snowy weather in Colorado and it will show up on a video. And he pointed out how this will impact, you know, set designers, lights, lighting specialists, um, post-production, so many aspects of that industry um, because of the addition to OpenAI's business model. And it really shows and highlights the interconnectedness of technology and business decisions. And again, technology and how instrumental it is and how it continues to evolve as the future evolves. Um, And so it's really important to pay attention to those types of advancements and when they happen and what are they signaling to us and telling us about how the future will look and the potential disruptions and opportunities that are available. The final principle that was that's discussed in this article, and again, I'm a put the article in the show notes because I am really summarizing the principles and she goes into more details. And I'm sure the Institute of the Future has more resources that that delves into this stuff. Um, But the final principle encourages us to build the future from a community standpoint. The challenges that we face and that we will face in the future are really complex to be addressed in isolation. And all of us has a set of understandings and resources and tools that they can that we can all use and put together 
to respond to societal changes. And so that collaboration, that collaborative effort and mindset and approach is going to be really key to building a future. So as you're thinking about how you want your future to look, I implore you to include community and collaboration in that effort because it's going to take all of us to envision and create a future that benefits everyone. And that is diverse and that is equitable for everyone to be considered in it. Now, the future that I'm personally invested in building is one where compassion for humanity takes precedence over bottom lines. Equity is on the forefront where deep is our default and that we embrace asking profound questions and critically thinking about how we are all connected to each other and to the world around us. And in this future, creativity isn't something that is an extracurricular thing, but it's a primary discipline and is always a part of conversation. And randomly enough, I also envision a future where the term weird is removed from the lexicon because who created weird and who determines what is normal? Octavia Butler, who is one of my favorite authors, and she is an Afrofuturist. She wrote this book titled The Parable of the Sower, which coincidentally was published in 1992, but set in 2024. And it kind of sets the scene of this dystopian society where climate change, capitalism has just run amok in the U.S. And she was once asked on what is the solution to the problems that she forecasted in her books for the future? How do we solve those problems for the future? And her response is that there is no single answer that will solve all of our future problems. No magic bullet. Instead, there are thousands of answers and you can be one of them if you choose to be. So because I know the time will inevitably pass and the future will become the present sooner than we think, I want to leave you with this question. How are you actively contributing to the kind of future you want to see in your work, your social circles, your cities, and your communities? It's a question worth pondering as the future is not something that just happens to us. It's something that we actively shape. That's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, because I think this discussion about the future will have to be another episode, please subscribe and like and leave a review for the podcast. Your support means a lot. As always, stay curious, my friends. We will talk very soon. Bye.